Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you guys? Welcome to the Packing House. Welcome to Sunday morning. My name's Pastor Rick. Hey, let's stand together, and I'll open up by reading a little out of Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for joy. We thank you for Jesus and hope in him, Lord. Thank you, God, for your grace and your love and your mercy. Fill this place, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we all agreed by saying amen. Hey, church believers, there is communion set up around the sanctuary at any time during the worship service. Please partake and and enjoy. God bless you guys. Say hello to someone. Bye-bye.
Oh. Uh-huh. 
that we just saying where your heart is is where we want to be is our prayer this morning Lord lead us through this fog of distractions God as we come in this morning from this week from the craziness of this world Father lead us to your heart this morning God help us to set aside this time to hear your word to be drawn near to you Father help us to continue now in an attitude of worship as Nancy and Terry Bring their music, Lord, and as we continue to prepare our hearts to hear your word this morning, God, we all agreed by saying amen. Amen. Let's welcome our friends, Terry and Nancy Clark. Amen. Wow. Great job, guys. Beautiful. Let's take a moment out together and just remember to acknowledge the guest of honor to acknowledge him and then give him thanks from our hearts. We're so thankful for all that you have done. We're so thankful for all you want to do. We're so thankful for Fill our hearts 
with your purpose. Show the plans that you've made for us, Lord, in every way. This is your day. We're so thankful for all that you have done. We're so thankful for all you want to do. We're so
It's coming soon and very soon. Any moment the trumpet could sound and the, the, the voice of the archangel could wake us up completely and, uh, and pull us up. But in the meantime, we occupy right until he comes, until we hear that sound, and we occupy in Christ alone. Sing with me if you know the words. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of When fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love. And righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was Let's all just go to heaven right now, okay? Where are we starting? No guilt and love, but transposed. No guilt and life, no fear and Calls me home. 
Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Terry and Nancy. How are you guys? Well, let's uh, see our morning announcements. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. Round it up. Hey, I said, I said bring it in. Oh my goodness, guys. Let's go, it's time to go. Your period is done. What is this? These kids, all they do is play, 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 and never work, work, work. Focus on school. <sighs> guys, we need help. If you like kids and want to work with them, come to the PCA office for support staff and substitute teaching. Oh my goodness, guys, if you weren't playing around, this wouldn't have happened. Get up. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. Go to the office. Let's go. Let's go. My goodness. Fun facts. Why is there a truck in the lobby? Why is there a motor in the bathroom? Is the motor in the bathroom for this truck? <laughs> no. But anyways, why are you in the truck? Pilot point. But did you know that this packing house truck used to transfer the oranges from the orange grove. Oh, that makes sense. That's why this place is called Packing House. Ah. Stay tuned next week for part two. That was my line. My bad, bro, my bad. All right. Well, junior high and high school students, you can head to the lobby to meet your teachers. They will be in the lobby after service. Any leftover kids? Well, we only have about 15 acres of grass to mow. Uh, while they're doing that, let me point out, church, that there is offering boxes around the sanctuary and in the lobby. Or if you're watching online, you can use the online giving option. Would Patrick Villa, would you come on up and close us to pray? God bless you guys. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the grace and mercy that you have renewed for us every morning. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, who came down to earth to show us your ways without ambiguity and who acts as an advocate for us. Lord, please watch over all the persecuted Christians all over the world. Please give us the strength, the intelligence, and the patience to make this week a great week. May God bless America. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you, Terry. Good morning, church. If you would be so kind as to stand, we're going to read a couple verses out of our text, and then we'll look at it together. But Luke 19, starting in verse 41, this is the word of the Lord. It says, now as he drew near, as Jesus drew near, he saw the city, Jerusalem, and he wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this 
your day, the things that make for your peace. We pray, Father, that you would speak to us as we look at these verses and a few more, that you would set people free, God, you would comfort those that are mourning, that you would strengthen us, God, for your glory and our greater joy. We ask it all in Jesus' name, and everyone agreed by saying, you may be seated, please. So we're going to take a look at one of the two verses in the scripture that show us that Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And we're going to see why he wept here in Luke chapter 19. It was a different reason for the other places that we see in scripture that he wept. Albert Smith, who lived in the 1800s, he said, tears are the safety valve of the heart when too much pressure is laid upon it. Isn't it interesting, this phenomenon of crying, or of tears, of getting choked up? You ever been so choked up you can't talk? I've been like that at times in the pulpit. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> but these are all common human responses to all the different emotions that we experience, everything from sadness to joy. You know, I can get choked up in sadness or in joy. Some people, tears come when they're angry. They get so mad that they start leaking out of the eyes. Others of us have experienced that re- those tears of relief when something's finally over. You know, it's been said, when a man cries, It's not because he's weak. It's because he's been strong for too long. There's a Jewish proverb that says, what soap is to the body, tears are to the soul. I personally, I seem to not cry when most people do. And then I cry when no one else around me is crying. (laughs) You know, and I, when I was younger, I thought, what's wrong with me? You know, I felt like I was weird or something. But I've come to understand that we're all, we all have a different emotional makeup. Just like physically, we have a different, chemically, we have a different makeup. And so I'm like, you know what? I'll cry when I cry and you cry when you cry. It's all good, (laughs) you know? I get all, I just recently watched a documentary on Jesse Owens, who won four gold medals at the 1936 Olympics in Germany, right in front, Jesse Owens, right in front of the monster racist Adolf Hitler. And I, I couldn't speak. I was so choked up with, it was just like, it was better than watching the Super Bowl for him to win those medals in front of that monster of a person. You know, I get choked up when my kids I've noticed this pattern. Every time my kids have a breakthrough, maybe something they've been working on or struggling with, and then they break through. I'm just like, yes. And I get get choked up, you know? Or upon perhaps a memory of my mom or my dad who've both passed and gone to be with the Lord. You know, I find when I, whenever I remember my mom, I I find myself both, both laughing and crying because she was such a character, you know? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Some people cry in physical pain. I don't. 
I, I, I can't remember ever crying in pain, and I've been in pain. You know, I've been in surfing accidents and car accidents, and, and I never, it's never, there's never tears or crying. Some people do. I just moan and complain a lot when I'm in pain. You know, my wife was like, why don't you go downstairs and deal with it, you know? Many people cry in emotional pain, you know, some for joy, others when they're, like I said, when, when they're relieved, when the pressure's finally off, when finals are over. <laughs> I, used to, I used to break out, my skin would break out, and then I'd get sick after finals. Like, it was like clockwork, you know? Acts of kindness, they get me choked up. You know, there's a guy, there's a judge from Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island. I don't know if you've ever seen that Judge Caprio. I'm addicted to watching that guy. You know, people come in and they got traffic violations and he's so kind. He's so kind to these people. He treats everybody with such dignity and it's amazing how he upholds the law and shows mercy. A merciful judge chokes me up. I don't know why, but I watch that and I, sometimes I got tears just dripping off my face. There's another guy on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen this guy. He acts like he's, he fakes like he's homeless and he stands out on the street and he asks people, can you spare a dollar? And most people are like, nah, you know, whatever. And, and it's mostly people that are struggling themselves financially that give him something. And then he, what he does is he hands it back. He says, I'm making a video. I don't need your money but I give a hundred times back whatever anyone gives to me. And so some people get a hundred bucks. One dude gave him 10 bucks and he gave him a thousand dollars in one dollar bills. This big stack and I'm just sitting there all choked up. I don't know why. When there's generosity that's immediately rewarded, I guess it does something in me. You know, some people cry when they feel hopeless. Others, when they feel empathy for another person, some out of a sense of gratitude. I've felt that one many times. I've found in my own life, I don't know how your, yours is, how you react, but when there's a sudden tragedy, and I've had, I've had a few of those, like stuff that you just out of the blue. My sister was in a car accident when she was 14, and she's been a paraplegic for the last 50-something years. You know, she's one of my heroes. What she's gone on to do with ha half of her fa faculties, but there were there were no tears. I find myself with the the adrenaline goes, and I just get into this mode where I just want to figure out what else does the person need or the situation need to help. And then it's later. I find it later. There's this this emoting. There's this emotion that comes out. You know, I went through a hard season in my late 20s. I didn't cry, didn't shed a tear, didn't get choked up, didn't feel anything. It was a season of depression. And I didn't have a tear for seven years. And it scared me. And I can remember the moment when I, the tears began to well up. And for me, it's a positive thing. For me, like... Soap is to the body, tears are to my soul. And it felt so good to have a tear come back, to feel again. I was in Ocean Beach and there was a young mother pushing her little baby in a, in a little carriage and I, just, I was just losing it, you know. You might think me weird, I don't know why. It was so beautiful. 
I could, see, I could see beauty again, and I was like, I'm alive, thank you, God, after seven years, you know. Some people in depression, they can't stop crying. That's not, that doesn't happen to me. That may be what happens with you. And I can't judge you, you know, because I'm not the standard of all human experience. You know, and a lot of, a lot of people, they kind of think they are, <laughs> you know. We're all different. We have a different emotional makeup. We're fearfully and wonderfully and differently made. And we're to celebrate that diversity, you know. We're put together different. We've all been through different stuff. And so certain experiences will trigger in us different emotions. You know, the Bible records instances of many of the giants of the faith who wept. Isn't this interesting? Abraham wept at the graveside of his beloved wife, Sarah. He wept. Esau wept when he didn't get the blessing of his father, but his brother Jacob stole it. Hannah wept when she couldn't conceive a child. David wept with his best friend Jonathan when they were parting company and they knew they wouldn't see each other again. There was a prostitute who wept with brokenness and gratitude at the feet of Jesus. And she washed his feet with her tears. Peter wept after he had failed the Lord, denying he even knew Christ. He was so disappointed in himself. Mary Magdalene wept outside of Jesus' tomb before she saw him raised from the dead. John wept in Revelation 5-4. When he looked, he had a vision of heaven and there was nobody that was worthy to open the scroll and John lost it. He wept and wept. And then Jesus walked in and there was one who was worthy. Jesus was worthy. Verse 41 in our text here in Luke chapter 19, as he drew near, as Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, we left off a few weeks ago as he was coming over the crest of the Mount of Olives, remember? He had sent his disciples to get a donkey. He's fulfilling prophecy. And as he drew near, and there the city of Jerusalem came into view when he saw the city. When Jesus looked down and he saw the city, he lost it. He just lost it. And this word wept, it means the kind of convulsive weeping that goes from the very depths of his soul. This wasn't just a little tear falling. This is, he was sobbing over the city. Okay? Now in a few days from now, he's going to be crucified. Is that why he's weeping here? Is he crying? Is he weeping for himself? We're going to see in our text this morning, no, that is not why he's weeping here. In a few days in the Garden of Gethsemane that's down, this is the road, the triumphal entry road, and you can go to Israel today, and it's paved, but you can walk down that same road. There's a lot more buildings, but at the bottom of the hill there, there's a valley. It's called the Kidron Valley. And there's a little brook that runs through the Kidron Valley, but the Garden of Gethsemane is a garden of of uh, olive trees. And Jesus will go into that garden, not here, but in a few days. And there he will weep. And there he will experience an emotional agony that was so intense as he was facing the horrors of the cross. And that's where he surrendered to the mission. 
where he's gonna take your place on the cross and pay the price that all of our sin deserves to take it away forever and it's gone. He did it, okay? But that's not why he's weeping here. He's not weeping here looking over Jerusalem. He's not weeping for himself. Now the, the general emotional state of Jesus, by the way, was joy and rejoicing. There's many places in the gospels where he speaks, he says, I rejoice, O Father, you know, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden all these things from all these stuffy religious Pharisees and you've revealed your kingdom to commoners. Jesus rejoiced in that. His general emotional state was that of joy and of rejoicing. But we're told in Isaiah 53, one of the great messianic prophecies from Isaiah the prophet, that when the Messiah comes on the scene, he will be a man of sorrows who is acquainted with grief. Okay? He knew about grief. He knew grief. He experienced grief like we all do. He wasn't just a person, this constant sorrow, but he was acquainted with grief. Grief was an acquaintance of his. Jesus understands all of our emotions. You know, he understands all of our weaknesses. You know, he knows how weak I am, and I'm weak. He knows how sinful I am, how much I struggle with sin. He knows the potential I have to ruin my life, to wreck my wife, to lose the respect of my kids, and to lose my ministry. He knows, and he sympathizes. He's not looking at me like one mistake and I'm gonna kick you upside the head. He sympathizes. We don't have a high priest, it says in Hebrew, who's, who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be one of us. God became one of us. Remember that song? Like a stranger on the bus, you know? He knows what it's like. He's been through all of the emotions of it. It's interesting because a lot of people think that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Two words, right? John eleven thirty five. It actually is the shortest in English. But if, you, if, you, if we're reading it in the original language, in Greek, it's the second shortest verse because the shortest verse is 1 Thessalonians 5.16 which says rejoice always. In the Greek, it's less characters. The two shortest verses, Jesus wept and we are to rejoice always. Because he went through what he went through, we can rejoice in hope. So why is Jesus weeping here in Luke 19, in the text we're looking at this morning? As he drew near again, verse 41, he saw the city and he just lost it. Just blubbering, sobbing, convulsive weeping. Have you ever experienced that? I have just a couple times in my life. And it was, to me, like soap to my soul. It's so healing to be able to release. I don't know about you, maybe you cry all the time and you wish you didn't have to cry so much. I've met people like that. And I, I empathize with that. But for me, I, I love the fact that there's that release of emotion. And notice it says, he said, if you had known, he's looking down over the city, all these people, they're his people, the Jewish people, 
The people there in Jerusalem, if you had known, even you, even you, especially in this day, notice those words because we'll get to that later, especially in this day, this your day, this day is about you. What I'm going to go through, it's about you. It's not about me. The things that make for your peace, if only you had known, even you, this day, the things that make for your peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. You can't see it. You can't see it. For the days will come when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you. Speak, looking at Jerusalem, one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. He's not weeping for himself. He's weeping for the city. He's weeping for the people in the city. He loves Jerusalem. Jesus loves the Jewish people, his people, is like, like he loves us. He so loves, the, God so loves the world. We're included in all this. He weeps for their blindness is what's happening. Their blindness to what he's about, what he's doing, what he's gonna accomplish here on the cross a few days henceforth. He knows He knows their misguided expectation of what he's about to do. He knows that it's going to send them into a disillusionment and even worse. And so he weeps because he knows that they are expecting him as the Messiah to go down into summons a violent overthrow, a political overthrow of the Roman oppression that all the Jews hated. He knows that when his people, the people he's looking down upon, the bustling city of Jerusalem, he knows that when they realize that he's not going to come down now and kill Romans and lead a political revolution, he knows that they're going to be so disappointed in him that they're going to turn on him. And they're going to begin actually calling for his death. The people that are praising him and laying out the royal carpet putting the palm branches and their clothes down. Jesus knows in a few days, I'm going to so disappoint you that your praise is going to stop and you're going to be shouting with everybody else, crucify him, crucify him. And yet Jesus is not weeping because of that, because of what that means to him. He's weeping for the implications of what's going to happen to them. This is why he's weeping. He knows. He knows that by their insistence on resistance and their push for violence against Rome with this political overthrow, Jesus knows that not many years, you poke the bear long enough, the bear's going to take your head off. Rome had a doctrine called Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, and it meant if you, everything's fine unless you make any problems for us, and then we'll take your head off and we'll destroy you. That was the peace of Rome. That's the peace that the world knows. Be at peace with us or we'll shoot our nukes at you. Okay? God's doing something else. 
God's doing something else. He's bringing about a real peace. Okay? He knows that by their insistence to the resistance, they're pushing for a violent overthrow. He knows that not many years henceforth that Rome is going to come in, finally fed up, and he's going to smash Jerusalem. We're looking back in history, we know that a little bit over a million Jews were slaughtered in 70 AD that Jesus is looking at. He knows this is coming and this is why he's weeping. And, and, and almost the rest of the people, not all the people, but most of the rest of the people will be scattered out of Jerusalem. There's always been a continuous presence of some Jewish people there, but most of them were scattered that weren't killed in this attack that Jesus sees that is coming 37 years after this day that he's coming down the hill. Knowing all this, he pauses. He pauses as he's coming over the crest of the Mount of Olives as he sees Jerusalem and he just loses it. Just emoting the sorrow, the sadness He's convulsively weeping, not for himself, but for their loss and for their coming pain. Now, many of them recognize that he's the Messiah. Okay, they looked at him and go, you're the Messiah. But as we've talked about, their idea of what Messiah was about was off. Okay, you might go, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. But in their mind, what that meant, he's going to come in and he's going to start slaughtering the Romans. Because the Messiah's whole interest is our immediate and local relief from our political frustrations. And that's not why he's there. To make you immediately comfortable. To relieve all of your frustrations right here, right now. That's not why God has come. If you receive Christ today, maybe for the first time, he's not gonna come in and take away all your problems. I could lie to you and tell you. He's not. This is a time of trouble. This is a time of testing. This is a refinery that we're in. And God uses storms of this life and trials and tribulations. There's more drama coming. Your life isn't strange. There's nothing wrong with you because there's so much drama in your life. That's the nature of this life according to the Bible. This is a valley of tears. It's a time of struggle but God is with us. He'll never leave us. And he'll work his good purposes in us. And you will be glad. And you will, when you come through it, you'll look back and go, I would go through all that again because of what I've become. Because of what's happening in my heart. You see? This is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God, okay? He's not coming here to just give them right now what they want. And and what do you want right now? Here we come into an election cycle, right? There's so much political passion and so many political conversations that have gone on, even probably this morning and last night in your house. I've got my political passions. I know who I'm voting for. I know the things that matter to me. But God's doing something so much bigger, believe it or not, so much more lasting that involves so many more people than just straightening out my little life so I can be happy right now. He's doing so much more 
than what these local Israeli nationalists are wanting him to do. He's coming to make a much broader peace than just smashing the Romans and saying, we won the Super Bowl, you know? He's coming to make peace with God, not just for the Jewish people, but for you and me and the Romans too. You see, but their expectation, you're the Messiah, praise God, you know, the royal carpet. What, you're not gonna kill these people? No, I'm gonna lay my life down for them and for you because I'm bringing peace. I'm bringing the ultimate peace. I'm bringing the first peace that must be had if you wanna bring in world peace. The first peace is peace with God and the human soul. Let me tell you, if you come to Christ today, he will make peace with you, okay? You'll no longer be at war with God. You know what it's like having God on your side? It's a blessing. And what happens when you come to know peace with God, this peace inside your soul begins to take place. It's substantial. It's not total in this life. But you'll experience a substantial and a growing peace inside. And you know what happens when two people are growing, they have peace with God and there's a substantial peace inside? We have more peace with each other. You get a nation full of people that have peace with God, there's substantial peace inside and they're getting along with their neighbor. Nations like this, then we're talking world peace. You know, the world says we're gonna make peace and they aim their nuclear bombs at us and say we're gonna make peace. Jesus is coming and he's making peace. And today there's billions of people on planet earth that have, no, have come to know peace with God and there's a work of peace happening inside and their relationships are beginning to work. He's bringing peace, but he's bringing the real thing. He's doing a thorough job. It's a slow job, okay? But he knows here. Jesus weeps here because he knows. If you had known, if you had only known even you, my people, on this day, your day, this is for you, what makes for your peace. You're thinking counteract to Pax Romana, bigger guns, Messiah's gonna mow them down. If you had known how I'm bringing about peace, if you had only known, but Jesus knows that they're missing it and that's why he's weeping. He knows that the result will be radical disillusionment that turns to anger and the calling for his own death. And he also knows that their continuing call for defiance against Rome will lead to their own destruction by Rome. And so he weeps. He weeps. I'm going to let you down. You're going to press on in your anger to your own hurt. And that's why he's weeping. He's weeping for them. Have you ever felt angry with God? Have you ever been angry with God? I have. Have you ever blasphemed God? I have. As a Christian. I was, no, no, not amen. I'm not proud of it. I'm just being honest. And I could trace it back to the exact same thing happening here. I expected God to do something. 
I expected him. This is, God, I invited you into my life and why you let this happen or you never allowed that to come to pass. And I got mad. And when I was a kid, it was, I was a young Christian. I took my Bible at three in the morning because I couldn't sleep. I was so angry at God. For, this was going on for weeks. You get tired enough, it's amazing. I took my Bible and I threw it against the wall and I won't even tell you what I said. Bible broke, fell on the floor. Three in the morning in my apartment in Ocean Beach. And I, have a, I felt, I heard the Holy Spirit say, are you done yet? I said, yeah. He goes, come here. My grace is bigger than even that. And I was like, are you kidding me? I got choked up. <laughs> Remember I talked about getting choked up? I got choked up. I was like, your grace is bigger than that. I can't tell you the relief I came across when I found Matthew 12, 31, where Jesus said, all manner of sin, all kinds of sin, every kind of sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, the sons and daughters of men. I was like, wow. Now, I'm not encouraging you to blaspheme God. I'm just saying, if your expectation is so off, it's so based on what you want rather than the word of God that you get mad at God. That, and you pro- Some of you are mad at God right now. Some of you have blasphemed God, cursed and said whatever you said. And God says all manner of sin and blasphemy. Come here. I can handle you. My love is way, 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 way bigger than all of your garbage. <laughs> My love is way, 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 way beyond the mess that you are. I don't know about you, but my growth in the Lord over the last 43 years, it's been a very, very messy process. I'm just one of those guys. There, some of you, you're, it, there's somehow you're, you're very compliant, you're very disciplined, and I had a roommate like that. God bless him. He's, he was top of his class at Harvard Med School. He's a doctor. He's got eight kids, and he's just the nicest guy. I'm, I'm this wild guy. I'm like, a God, God's had to break me, and I've been mad at him and resisting, and he won't let me go. He promised from the start, I'll never, ever, ever leave you, and I'm gonna finish the work I started in you. And sometimes it's the people that are, you know, let's go, Lord, you know. God is good. God is good. But Jesus knows that they're going to be disillusioned, angry, and they're going to continue in their defiance. You know what they're going to do? They're going to look for someone else. If you're not going to kill Romans, we're going to find other, someone else to be our Messiah. And if you study in history, they found different guys, and they led these uprisings, and they all got wiped out. <laughs> they all got wiped out. They all got wiped out. Jesus knows that they're continuing in this road. We're going to get what we want. If you're not going to give it to us, we're going to get another Messiah. And Rome is going to get to the point where they've had enough and a million will be slaughtered. The city will be destroyed. People will be scattered. Jesus weeps because he sees where all this is headed. That's why he's weeping. With tears running down his face, he says, if you had known, if you had known even you, especially in this, your day, this is for you. 
It's for you that I'm not going to kill the Romans, but I'm going to lay my life down for the Romans and for you. And for John Schellenberg, who's going to be in Redlands worshiping me in, at the packing house one day. And for Richard, you know. Aren't you glad that he didn't just start killing Romans? Aren't you glad that he laid his life down for the sins of the world? Here we are today forgiven, cleansed and clothed in the righteousness of Christ, in the favor of God. He was doing something bigger, much more lasting, that includes many, many, many more people, billions and billions of people. He knows what he's doing. Jesus here, and we'll close with this, it'll probably take another 10 minutes, but we'll close with this. He's alluding here to perhaps the most amazing of all Bible prophecies that has been partially fulfilled and some of it is yet future. Hundreds of years in advance of this moment when he's coming down the hill here. Hundreds of years in advance, God showed Daniel the prophet the exact day that the Messiah would make himself known in Israel. He showed him the exact day Okay, we looked at this recently in our study in, in Daniel chapter 9. The women are still in Daniel on Wednesday mornings. We got Daniel all over the church lately. But we saw there, Daniel had been in Babylonian exile. The, 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 the southern kingdom of Judah had disobeyed God, and God finally said, I'm going to spank you. Jeremiah said, God's going to spank you in Babylon for 70 years. Well, Daniel's, he's an old man, and he's reading the prophet Jeremiah. And he's looking at his calendar. And Jeremiah said it would be 70 years. And he's looking and he's on his calendar. And he's like, it's been almost 70 years. Daniel got excited. And he began to pray and say, God, you're going to do something. that I don't know how this is going to work. But you're going to take us back to the land that you gave us forever. And we're going to rebuild and we're going to rebuild the city, and we're going to rebuild the temple. And God began to speak to Daniel there and told him way, way more than he was asking. God told Daniel there while he was in prayer. He said, it's going to be exactly 483 years from when the king of Persia makes a decree that the Jews can go back to their homeland and rebuild their temple. When you hear, Daniel, the king of Persia, and Daniel was a servant to the king of Persia. He was in intelligence. He was in the administration. He was so brilliant. And here he is, an old man, and, he, and God tells him, when, when the king of Persia makes a decree that you guys can all go back, and he gives you materials, he gives you an escort, he gives you permits and everything. And this happened in history. This is recorded, not just in the Bible, in Nehemiah and Ezra, but in secular, they, they've dug up stuff. In Babylon, these archaeological finds, and they, from the moment that king declares you can return and rebuild, it's going to be 483 years, and then Messiah is going to be revealed to Israel. If you do the math, and let me tell you, if you want to do all the math, you can do it, but it's according to the Jewish calendar, not the Gregorian calendar that we use, Okay? A little hint, they used the, there was a different calendar. But if you use the Jewish calendar, from when the king of Persia made that decree that the Jews could return and rebuild their temple in their land, exactly 483 years to the day, this day, 
if you had only known in this your day, if you had only known what makes for your peace, okay? It's this exact day. Now, I covered in Daniel 9, I covered these things in more detail. Pastor Ed, if you want to go online, he does everything in more detail than I do. He's an unbelievable teacher. But if you want to do a really deep dive, this book here, The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson, who was a detective at, in, in, this, in the Scotland Yard of London, a brilliant mind. He did all of the deep research and all the calculations and he shows indeed this very day that Jesus is coming and saying to the Jews, if you'd only known, it was all according to what Daniel said. It was to the exact day that he's coming down the hill here. And what blows my mind is that he not only said that on that day the Messiah would be known, made known, but once he's made known, he'll be cut off. Daniel, chapter 9, verse 26. Messiah shall be cut off, it says there, but not for himself. Not because he committed a crime, but he's being cut off for you and for me. It was prophesied. The day he would come and that he would immediately they didn't know about crucifixion. It hadn't been invented yet. But he would be cut off. He'd be cut off from the land of the living. And it says there in Daniel, right after the Messiah is cut off, that Jerusalem will again be destroyed and the temple will again be destroyed. And so when Jesus is saying, this is what's coming, you're not listening to what the word says, the prophet says. You're listening to what you want and now your expectations are set, and you're set up for disillusionment and anger. And that's why Jesus is weeping. He's weeping for them. He's weeping, and he weeps for us. If today we're setting ourselves up for disillusionment, for getting angry at God, that's why we try to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, because we want you expecting what God says is coming. This world, is, this life is hard. There's going to be trials and tribulations, but God is with you. But God will never leave you. But even if you get to the breaking point and there's sin flowing out of your soul, all manner of sin and even blasphemy will be forgiven the sons of men. It's a messy process. You see, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we want to be dialed into you. We want to hear what your word says and have our expectations set by your word, not by our desires and our frustrations and what we so want. And gosh, we want a lot, Lord. We live in a crazy world right now and we so want certain things to happen. Dial us into your word, Lord, that our expectations would be set by your word. That we wouldn't miss the peace that you've already provided on the cross when you went to the cross. The peace that we have with God. That we would be reveling in the peace that you've made between the Father and our souls through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we wouldn't break your heart 
is we set ourselves up for anger, pressing on in a, in a path that's just gonna cause more problems. Lord, bring us to that place of inner peace as we have peace with you, that we have peace with one another. We thank you that you are doing the peace, that you're doing the long game and the thorough game and the authentic game. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up together. We'll close in one more song and then we'll be on our way to lunch. This is our God. This is who He is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what He does. He saves us. All the cross. This is our God. This is our God. This is who He is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what He does. He saves us. He bore the cross. Beat the grave. Let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God. He Maybe you're here this morning and today is your day. This is your day to know the peace that Christ has provided. First service, a handful of people came and said, this is my day. If you've never received the Lord and you would like to do that, I'm going to be on the edge of the stage. Please come down. I would love to pray with you. It's that simple. Maybe there's other things going on in your life and your, your peace is disturbed. We got a group of guys See the room over here? It's our prayer room. They're waiting to pray for you. Don't leave the packing house without getting the prayer that you might need. Give someone a high five, a fist bump, whatever you do, a little side bump, whatever you do. And we'll see you next week. God bless you.